I'm finally back, so welcome to Switch On, a podcast on female philosophy and philosophers. My name is Sophie. I'm super excited to bring you this episode. While the last one was more of an intro, today I will talk about what philosophy is and who the very first female philosophers were. Philosophy is relevant to every single one of us because it deals with the fundamentals of our life. Every person, no matter if they know it or not, has a philosophy that influences his or her thinking and actions. Of course, one shouldn't forget that philosophy is not only knowledge and a way of thinking, it is a power structure. This explains why women had such a hard time receiving recognition for their ideas. Over the last centuries, women were often excluded from politics and public life, and therefore pushed back only to the dimensions of private life. Women were silenced, and the preconditions for being able to philosophize were withdrawn from them. This would be self-determination and subjectification, which is the opposite of objectifying women. So instead of reducing women to their bodies, it is necessary for them to develop a sense of self. One needs an environment where one's thoughts are valued, This is essential for the complete development of being a human and has been viewed as such throughout the history of philosophy. Even though society made it hard for women to develop these skills, they still had them. I want to define philosophy in my own words. Philosophy talks about happiness and science, about our society and people as individuals. Some of it is extremely difficult and some of it is just simply helpful. For me, it is more than the love of wisdom and the interest in understanding my surroundings. It is a safety net that I rely upon when making hard decisions. I hope that this podcast does not just inform you about women in philosophy, but also helps you to develop your very own support system. And while you are trying to figure out how to lead your life, you remember the different philosophical views and compare them and hopefully you can find answers for your personal situation. Now that you hopefully have a better understanding of what philosophy is, I will start with the main topic of this episode, which are of course female philosophers. I think a common misconception is that women started philosophizing only a couple hundred years ago, but that is false. Even in the years of Socrates, who is considered the father of Western philosophy, there was also a mother of philosophy. Actually, there were a couple. Funny side note that emphasizes the importance of what I'm doing here is that when you Google father of philosophy, there is a long article on Socrates. When one searches for mother of philosophy in the internet, the first thing that comes up is a quote from Thomas Hobbes asserting that leisure is the mother of philosophy, which means that people with more leisure time and money tend to philosophize more. The second thing that comes up is that philosophy is regarded as the mother of all disciplines. Philosophy is the love of wisdom and therefore of the truth, and this is what all the other disciplines rely on. Really, I was hoping for the name of a woman, but oh well, I just took a little more research. And I did do that for you, so now, finally, we will be talking about the very first female philosophers that shaped Western philosophy. This takes us all the way back to ancient Greece and the first attempts of rational thoughts on nature nature and the world. 
The women of that time were confronted with oppression and a lack of rights and privileges. Women weren't allowed to vote or to own land. They were expected to marry early and couldn't own anything, since all their belongings immediately went to their husband or the nearest male relative. Girls received an education, even though the focus here was to prepare them for marriage and not to stimulate them intellectually. Still, there are more female philosophers of that time than I can cover in one show, so I will be limiting myself to five female philosophers. These women managed to rise above the limitations of their society. The first one is Aristoclea, or Themistoclea. She lived in the 6th century BC and is especially famous for being Pythagoras' teacher. But not only Pythagoras was taught by a woman, so were Socrates and Plato. Most of the moral doctrines of Pythagoras originated from Aristoclea. Sadly, none of her works survived, but many people have cited her. She was a Delphic priestess and offered wisdom on questions such as when to go to war and when to marry. She believed that experience, reason, and the supernatural were attached. She was a source of wisdom. To better understand Aristoclea's thinking, let's look at a couple main points of Pythagoreanism. It believes in a highly structured way of life and that the soul hosts a new body after death. Still, most of the world can be put into a mathematical structure. So Pythagoras didn't just learn from a woman. He had a very intelligent wife whose name was Theano, and she is the second woman of this episode. Over the years, it has come to some confusion, so one assumes that the work of two women has been combined to the of one. So I will talk about Theano one and Theano two, since this is how one distinguishes the two different philosophical approaches of Theano. From Theano one, there is an apocryphal text where the Pythagorean theory of numbers is viewed critically. She believed that the order of numbers can be found in physical things, while Theano two wrote about topics like slavery, raising children, and discussed Plato's work. Here, only eight fragments of letters survive. Let's move on to the third woman, Hipparchia. Even men had a hard time winning a debate with her, since her appearance in public was independent and bold. She was the first known feminist because she lived, lived in complete equality with her husband, Cratus. She even wore the male clothing. Together, represented their cynical philosophy and cynic principles. Cynics only own what is essential for survival and reject luxury and artificial social conventions. Basically, they don't own anything and have a very hard lifestyle. They didn't form a school since they were very unconventional, but emphasized practice for leading a virtuous life and believed that training of the self would lead to an ethical life. She especially shaped the way later cynics viewed childbirth. Her labor was without trouble, and she claims that it was because she, for that time very unusual, worked and trained like an athlete, even during her pregnancy. During this time, she would still engage in public discourses. Most of our knowledge from Hipparchia is through anecdotes and some of her letters which survived. 
Another cynic value is shamelessness, and legends have it that she and her husband Kratos had intercourse on a public porch. They were more or less hippies of ancient Greece. More importantly, though, she managed to combine domestic chores and philosophy and set an example for the next generations. No matter who tried to talk her out of it, she would never regret her choice to educate herself further. She is a huge role model since she is the world's first liberated woman. Even today, many people use her as an example. The French feminist and philosopher Michel Deleuve was inspired by Hipparchia and wrote a book called L'Etude et les Routes, which is about the relationship between women and philosophy. The next woman is Arete. Her name means virtue in Greek. She learned about philosophy from her father, who was one of Socrates' students, and later she took over the school of Cyrene. This school is famous for having one of the first approaches to hedonism. They believed that discipline and virtue were more likely to result in pleasure than negative emotions. Also, she was one of the very few women to have a career in philosophy during that time, and even educated her own son. Probably the most famous woman of ancient Greece was Hypatia. She was a mathematician and a philosopher. She also taught and gave public lectures. Hypatia is famous for the philosophy of Neoplatonism. Back then, this woman was famous for being one of the greatest mathematicians and astronomers, and she led a school of philosophy in Alexandria. The supporters of Neoplatonism believe that happiness and perfection are attainable in this life and that one doesn't have to wait until the afterlife. They also believe in the One, which means that there is one simple thing beyond normal being that is the source of the universe. Thoughts like this put a high contrast between religions and Neoplatonism. Still, Hypatia was inclusive in her school and taught Christians. Sadly, she was brutally murdered because she was an easy target in the fight for power over the city Alexandria. One says that she was killed by a Christian mob who beat her to death and then burned her. Really gruesome. Of course, there are many inspiring women of that time, but I hope you were just as impressed by these women as I was and especially their ability to push past the gender role of that time. Thanks for listening, and by the way, my goal is to produce one monthly episode. See you next episode, and don't forget to switch on and make a difference.